0: This is kind of an addition, and I'll get to that in a second. So it's not too often that I don't know what I'm going to preach on for a few months in advance. So we know that's coming up. We've got Dead Sea Scrolls, and then we've got Palm Sunday, and then Easter, and then the Sundays after Easter. We're going to be talking about um, anxiety and depression, and we're going to have grow groups that go with that. And I thought of this, originally, I saw in a fortune cookie, which is what all pastors preach on. So you said, hey, what am I going to preach on today? A fortune cookie. That's not quite true. So... Uh, shared is a joy, shared joy is a double joy, and shared sorrow is half a sorrow. I saw it a little bit differently. The person on Pinterest who found this one apparently thinks Sweden is a person, so I don't know how they, why they did that. But you can get the concept, and when we're, I'm really encouraging you as we get our uh, grow groups, as our small groups they are going to meet for five weeks, that happens after Easter. Um, think about that. We've got a place that's going to be in uh, Highlands Ranch and Castle Rock and Larkspur, and in parker so we have a number of different spots and then bible basics just what we teach as a church that's going to run at the same time so we've got all kinds of spots why do i bring that up because the christian church just to come on a sunday is kind of short-lived right that's not that long you can say hi to some people and you're heading out but that's a chance where you get to say hey uh, study the bible together um, pray for each other kind of figure out what's going on in each other's lives so then when you come to church on a sunday i think it's way more enjoyable so uh, we'll keep encouraging you there. I'll tell you the times, but we'll have sign-ups coming up a little bit later. That's not what we're going to talk about today. So, th- so I had a free Sunday. That means I can talk about anything I want. Lent 4 was not super exciting, just for the record. So I thought, okay. Um, I actually got a lot of comments about last week as we talked about contentment. And people had feedback to say, I appreciated that. I'm uh, talking about contentment in America and things like that and how big of a struggle is, there's a real common verse that's uh, quoted by the Apostle Paul who says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? And and we hear this all the time for athletic events and things like that. But in context, he's really talking about he can be content in all situations. That's the only way it's conceivably possible. So what kind of things are fighting against that? So I thought we'd just talk about that for a little bit, and we're going to go on kind of a trip, if you don't mind. So we're going to, it'll kind of go like this, but you'll see where we end up, and it ends up in habits, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, stuff. Uh, We have an amazing consumerist society, so if you, I think we all know this, if you talk about in America this is like unbelievable consumerism. If you talk about how much stuff is advertised, how much stuff, if you think about where you would want to go after church today, I would guess for many of you, you're thinking about going to like TJ Maxx or something like that. It's like Sunday afternoon, you got downtime, you say, hey, I want to go to the store, someone is smirking, so now I feel guilty, I'll look at the other, oh, someone's smirking over there, this is not working. I was not trying to call you out because of TJ Maxx, all right, Um, or Costco or Sam's Club or anything like that. So there is this drive and it's this natural pattern of our life in America to go to stores. Like this is how things function. They're not utilitarian, the stores that we have, there's a reason that they do the things that they do to try and convince you that this is an experience that you want to go through. So, if you want to wonder about some of this consumerism, I usually ask people this question, can you think of 10 things in your house? If You just walk around, like if things would really give you joy and fulfillment, um, can you think of 10 things that if you saw them right now, and I said, I will give you full price for them, you just say, I'm kind of done with this blender, I will give you the, you know, the Vitamix vendor, how much is that? Like two home equity loans, so it's like $600. And so if I said I would give you the $600 for this mixer, would you give it to me? So I just walk around your house, can you think of 10 things that you could say like, you know what, if I could get full price right back, I would hand it over. I don't think 10 is a struggle. And I think for most of us, it would be in the hundreds of items. If you could go through your closet and you look at the stuff that you wear and you said for this shirt and this pair of pants and this shoes, I will give you full price for what you paid for it. How, much, how many of you would trade in willingly 100 things and have a stack of cash instead? Now, there's items that do bring you joy. I mean, there are items in my house. If I'd walk through, there are items that have brought me joy, and I, could, I wouldn't trade them in. They, I see them, and I think this is a good value. But many, many, many items that we have, I think I would love to have the cash back instead of that item. And then proof of that is how often I go to Goodwill every year to get rid of my stuff, which is like three or four times there's this cathartic experience where I just get rid of this stuff. And how good does it feel to get rid of your stuff? And does it feel equally as good to get it? I think it actually feels better to get it. And there's a reason behind that. Um, Does anyone recognize? It shouldn't be that hard since the name is on it. So the Park Meadows Mall... You can kind of look at some of the the pictures I know are a little bit faded out. I think this is an unbelievable place to me. Is there anyone who likes to go to the Park Millers Mall? You can admit it. Like, I'm a guy. I think it is incredible. Like, this, this is not like just go to, like, some bunker to buy your food or something. Like, you're getting, like, rations. You go to this place, and it's got these transcendent high ceilings, right? And where else do you see that? So Just think about this. What other place on the earth is designed in such a way that would have like, these high, beautiful ceilings that are ridiculously nicer than you need? Uh, what other place in you know Europe, maybe in the medieval times, did they spend all this time constructing something that gives you this experience? Uh, where you go there and there's fireplaces and the outdoors are inside and you go there and the whole outside is all closed off. They don't have glass to the parking lot. You go there and it's all closed off and you can just experience that fireplace when you walk in the main entrance. Have you seen that thing? It goes to the ceiling here. That is way bigger than you need for a fireplace. They could just have one of these vent-free ones and it could just shoot into the mall space because the mall ceilings are twice as high as this. So why, why do they do that? I think they're trying to do this in a sense that you get a spiritual experience when you go to the mall to find some. In fact, the people who study brains, and it's not me, but the people who study brains say if you look at the brain activity of someone in reverent worship, it's very similar activity that they had when people started talking who were big fans of Apple. They're Apple products. The same part of the brain is functioning as they talk about the worship of a true God and the worship of this thing. So, I think it even gets more complex. And the, the thing I was alluding to is obviously churches. I mean, the church, to, to build this, there's an experience that's supposed to happen when you go to a church. And when you design churches, they talk that way, that they have this height and there's light and the, it's natural and there's wood and there's stone. All of this you can experience. If our church looked anything like that, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy. Like, I, like, I don't know, I, I think we could make it like, this is not the mall of the 80s. When you go to the mall of the 80s now, it feels like it's communist Russia. But now you go here and it is called a retail spa. I mean that's kind of the idea that there's therapy that happens when you go there and I totally agree. And, and I could be the most anti-mall guy ever but you show up at a place like this and there's a sense of, you dr- walk around with your coffee and you get this product and there's a sense of joy that comes with it. So how else does this kind of continue? And now you're on a journey because in, in America we're taught that there's something that we can get that's gonna make us happy. And so you go and you're on this search, right? You walk around this whole place and there's someone there like a guide to help you out. I mean, just think about all this stuff that gets stacked on it. You go and you give this sacrifice, your money, and then you get something tangible in return that you get to go home with. And what kind of effect does that have on you when you buy new things? I'm 42 years old and I could right now in my head describe what a brand new Lego set smells like. When I was a kid, this was like the ultimate. I would open the box, and I can smell the Legos, and you're like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's a, What does a new pair of clothes smell like? Can you smell a new car? Brand new pair of jeans. Is there anyone, maybe I'm just a smell guy, but there is some experience when you put on something, there's a different, now, what does goodwill smell like? I can describe both of them, right? Like, you could, go, you ever go to a place and you're like, man, it smells like Goodwill in here, right? And there's stores you go by, you're walking by, and you're like, I think I know what it smells like in that store, and I don't want to be in there. But there is something, like, you're bringing yourself back to these experiences, and they connect these senses so that all this stuff goes together. I mean, this is intentional, and it's on purpose, and there's a feeling of joy that comes with it. There's a feeling that lasts for a bit that says this is how I feel filled up. The problem is not just getting stuff though. The problem is just how short lived that lasts. When I get now if we'd go out through that exercise, just think about the last thing you purchased that made you super happy and then where is it? Now Amy and I just bought a raclette. I think it so she's in Vail once we were at some uh, what would that be, a Swiss restaurant, and we, had a, we tried raclette, and I didn't like the cheese, to be honest, but it was pretty interesting. And then she went and hung out with her friends, and she's like, Jerry, we have to get this thing. We need it. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. She's putting it in the Amazon cart. That's My wife does two things to manipulate me. One is she gets professional bids, which is how she got me to change the car brakes on Saturday. And the other thing that she does is she puts it in the Amazon cart. So when I go to purchase like legit items you know, legit items, then I have to see it and I have to actually take it out like I'm disappointing. You can see the tears strolling down my wife's night when I like save for later. Like I don't delete it. There is, there's over a hundred save for later items that I don't think I put in the cart. Like I just keep moving them down. I just keep moving them down. I keep moving them down. But we got this and it was an awesome experience. So does anyone have a raclette at home? Does anyone know what this is? So a raclette is like this Swiss grill on top and then it's got these little, uh, what would you call them? Trays. That you heat the cheese on, and then you put that, and we made shrimp scampi and potatoes. The kids want to do it again tonight. So they're so excited about it. But here's my question How long do you think the raclette will last in the upstairs cupboards? Two weeks. So I got a guess of two weeks. It may go where my rice cooker is, which is down in the basement, which might, you know, like there's, it gets regulated down into hell, and that's where it goes, and it suffers for a while, and then eventually you pull it out. So I'm really excited about this. I cannot conceive of a time where I would not be happy to do this grill with my family, but I'm guessing two, three, four weeks and it's not going to move. And I can think about that about product after product. When you get a brand new car, how exciting does that last? It lasts just like a couple weeks. And what's really even, even harder is you go on this journey to try and find satisfaction and I think sales have a powerful thing and this is just overarching. Is there any other thing where you have this deep pursuit of something and you get more benefit, like you get t- like, uh, time off of it. Let's just say you want to like, lose weight. Did you ever show up at the gym and they are like, brand new, it's our uh, s- semi-annual spring sale, so all your calories are going to be doubled that you do in the gym today. Like, where does that happen? Like, you can't, do that. you can't go on a date and she's like, guess what, 20% bonus points today. That doesn't work that way. Everything else you have to actually work for. So you can go to the mall, you can go to shopping, and you can find something that you deeply desire. There it is and you can purchase it. So what kind of effect does this have on this, and where, where am I kind of getting at this? God talks about the walk that we take with him, and, and I think this is one of the more interesting verses in the Bible, talking about this walk and this danger of temptation. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps. Right? You can walk next to someone, walk by someone who's wicked. Stand in a way of sinners, or sit. So there's this progression where it gets closer. So if you'd read that... It, Blessed is the one who does not walk at the mall, who does not stand at the checkout stand, or reclette with sinners, right? That's what it's saying at the bottom, because you sit down and you do this. So there's this sense that you're walking along, and this has an effect on you. That There's this temptation that you have to worry about. And I wish temptations happen in such a way that it was just a decision, right? Here, you, you want A or B. I mean, that's kind of how we often think about temptations as they come to us. we got A or B, follow God or not follow God. But the reality is it's not quite that easy. We live in this culture that we're struggling with where the whole world says we're a consumerist culture and we actually talk about getting more gross domestic product and and more sales and give people tax breaks so that we buy more stuff. And so we're flowing along. This is just one example. I could have picked anything, sex and power and money and jobs. Do you notice how much energy the U.S. uses more than anybody else? One study I said said we use 25% of the energy in the, uni- in the whole world, 25%. And we have 5% of the population. So what does this mean? And on this is not like go get solar panels, but is our lifestyle of consumerism, just in the United States, sustainable for the world? How, how do the products that we get, get to the stores where we buy it. Can the people who made the products that we buy even afford the products that we have? Where's this gonna shake down? This is not a, it's not a lifestyle that's sustainable. So what does that do? And this is why I'm just digging a little bit deeper. What kind of attitude does that give you when we have a sense of privilege that other people don't have? So let me give you an example. You go to the mall and sometimes you go there to even meet people. If you really find your joy in the stuff you have, have you ever seen, and usually teenagers are guilty about this because adults are more mature so they don't make it as obvious, Um, but teenagers, you ever see like a pack of girls walk up to another girl and they give them the look up and down? They just like look to see what kind of shoes are they wearing, what kind of clothes are they wearing, what kind of sweatshirt are they wearing, have you ever seen that? Now guys aren't as obvious, but I think every guy who, how many boys are into They're probably not into like jeans and stuff like that, but I guarantee most teenage boys have an idea what kind of pair of shoes they own. At least they were when I was a kid, and it's gotten, I think, way to a different level. I mean, because we'd wear it, and my mom would say, I'll put this much towards shoes, and that was never enough. Like, I was not going to go to Kmart and get Prokeds with the $25 she offered. I would save up all my paper out money to go get this different pair of shoes so that I could feel like, but where did that put me? I get a little bit nicer shoes and then someone comes up who has less shoes and do I immediately make this inclusive or has this become exclusive? I wish temptation, and this is just again one example about being content. I wish temptation was just A or B and we just decide. But the reality is faith is caught rather than taught and I think the culture we live in we're in a river. We're like flowing down this river and we're inside that river and we don't necessarily even know it. And the habits of the culture that we live in, this is just one example again, the habits of our culture of consumerism and the stuff that we buy and where we find our value and the things that we own or we wear is something that flows down and we're just riding with it. And if you take one thing away from today, don't feel guilty about going to TJ Maxx or whatever, But just think, where are your habits bringing you? And it's the the course of our, the stacking of our habits that bring us somewhere. And we're in a culture where we can't just step aside and say, I'm not affected by that. We live here. We live in the United States. And this is how everybody and and most people think. And you just flow along with it. And it seems like this is perfectly normal. What is going to take you out of that river? And where are your habits taking you? When I I think about this and getting to, we we talk about, is there anything that can point you in a different direction? Um, We don't have the most exciting church in the world. I don't know if I have to say that out loud. I don't have to see a bunch of nods, so I'll just look up. We don't have the most exciting church in the world, but what is the point? Like, what is the point of how we arrange things even in a service? Like, why do you have a, a hymn and that, you know, with the words that maybe isn't the easiest to sing in the, in the whole world? Why do you have confession of sins? Why do you have scripture readings? Why do you have a sermon? It's all pointing somewhere. It's pointing, the point is to Christ. And we have all this hunger. We have all this hunger to be filled up. And we, we, so much of the culture, we're jumping into a river as you step outside these doors it's to ride down this river and say, this is where I find my joy. I find my joy in going to the store and getting something new. I find my joy in having something different. And it's not just a matter of getting one big item. I guarantee every one of you it makes more money than you did 20 years ago. And all that means is this, if you want to know how this has affected you and how little this erosion happens over time, you didn't suddenly just decide I'm going to spend, you don't have twice as much money now, even though you make twice as much money that, that you did 20 years ago. Instead, you have these minor upgrades that just add up over time. You get a little bit nicer shoes. Oh, let me ask you this way. What does your grocery cupboard look like 20 years ago compared to today? Some of you might have been in college or something. And you're like, okay, I had Top Ramen and I had ketchup. That's what I had for, for spice. Uh, so this is, but over time you make a little bit more money, nice so you can afford a little bit nicer stuff, a little bit nicer shoes, a little bit nicer clothes, a little bit nicer gear to go to the ski hill with. You know, And you get the stuff that's used and now it's a little bit nicer and your car's a little bit nicer and you get a little bit nicer ski pass and you get a little bit nicer vacation and suddenly you're at the exact same spot you were in your savings as you were 20 years ago. We're riding down a river and the habits and the choices that we make are taking us somewhere. And so if you'd ask one question, are the habits and the things that we're leading bringing us closer to the one thing that's needful? Here's how Jesus says it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they're actually going to be filled up. And what fills this up? He says, then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. All this search and all this hunger and all this thing we have to have some fulfillment. There's all kinds of things to do that. But just in our culture, just one example is just take a look at the patterns of our culture that are saying this is where you get filled up and you're actually going farther and farther from the one thing that can fill you up, which is a forgiveness in Christ that says you're valuable and you're worth something. And in him, you don't have to search all these other things. Here's the hard part. I think the really hard part. If you want to talk about um, being fulfilled and in concept, we can say I like that idea. Right? I want to pursue Christ. I want to be filled with Christ. But then our behaviors can show something different. So I could talk up here for 20 minutes about the, the woes of McDonald's or something like that. You know, I'm not, they're like, this would be the, the least Bible sermon ever. But say I do that for a while. But you could still sit in your chair. Have you ever had that when someone's telling you about how awful? like the, the consumerism and in, in McDonald's and stuff. Has anyone ever read some of the books and seen the movies and you're like, that's terrible, but while you're listening to the movie, you're like, man, I could go for a Big Mac right now. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Or you have someone who's talking about like how bad, you know, like being lazy and all this other stuff is, but then you really want to just sit on the couch? And this is, what's, uh, this is what we're going to talk about a little bit, just for a little bit. Just having the thought in our brain doesn't change our attitude, and our heart. So thought and brain, you're trying to connect these things. What has led to the position you're in now? We could talk your whole life what has led to an idea that I can go to the store and buy my happiness. That didn't happen overnight. And so the only way you can do that is unwinding all the things that have gotten you there and then rewinding it with something different. So in your life, it's what's interesting in the Bible, they talk about a walk with God. And I thought that's, that's kind of a fascinating thing. What do we mean by with this walk with God? There's, there's a destination. Um, when's the, in your life, where's the place that you talk to people the most? I would guess two things. If you have teenagers, it's when you're driving in a car. <laughs> if you're teenagers, you're driving in a car. And if with your spouse, I would think you talk the most when you're walking. When I'm walking with my wife, we're talking about all kinds of other things. What's interesting, though, if I sit on my porch, we don't always talk. Sometimes I just sit there. Like the sun's coming down. Does this happen to anyone else or is it just my family? Like if you're sitting next to each other, I'm content just to be hanging out with her and this is good. And I think there's a reason why the Bible talks about being on this walk with God because on this walk, it's a give and take. It's saying, I want to hear from what God has to say. As I make this path, I'm going somewhere. There's a destination I'm going. And at the same time, I'm talking to God through prayer. I'm talking to God, and I'm getting filled up, and I'm moving somewhere, and we're going somewhere that is better. Where are your habits leading you? The people you hang out with, where is that leading you? The movies you see, where is that leading you? Because everything leads to somewhere. Your pattern of finding joy at maybe a store, where is that leading you? The stuff you look at the internet, where is that leading you? The relationship you have with your spouse, where is that leading you? And now, even a bigger pressure, and that's not what I'm trying to do. You think about how many limited days you have with your kids. I've got a 17 year old, she's gonna be gone in 18 months. 18, I've got 18 months left, assuming she moves out of the house. Right, I got 18 months, and it seems like when you're a kid and you have 930 weeks with your kid, you think, when they're born, you're like, I got nothing but time here. I got nothing but time. And then another week, you're surviving a week, and you're surviving a day, and you're just making it, and you're just making it, and you're making it, and you're making it, and you're making it. it. My my question to you is, if God has blessed you with these kids, you've got a limited time, and it's not that long that they're going to be gone, and they're out of your house. How are your habits where they bring him to, and have you jumped into the stream that says, kids, this is where we find joy in the stuff we get, this is where we find joy, we find joy by making fun of people, this is where we find joy, or do you say, this is where we find joy, the only place that is needful, that's in Christ, so where does this all fall down to as we talk about contentment, there are a hundred things in this planet that can make you happy, I think, in the instant, you can go on a vacation that makes you happy, you can buy stuff that makes you happy, but there's one, only one thing that can actually give you full and complete joy, and that's understanding who Christ is, what he has done for you, and stepping on that walk to say, God, I, wanna, I have a desire here, but now help me here and here to go on that walk to you. Amen. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, wait. When we talk about contentment, it's really not a uh, lambast against the consumerism of our society. Instead, we want to look at our own hearts and ask that question, where are my habits leading you? We pray it's just like when you get into anything, um, no one likes to jog, no one likes to do all these things, but eventually you have a heart that changes over time and you find you're restless when you're not doing these things that you know are not good for you. We pray we have that same kind of restlessness, that same restlessness as we take something as simple as trying to eat better and eventually finding joy in that. Put that all aside because we pray that in our head we know that we want to pursue you. In our head we know we want to hunger and thirst and be filled by you. We just pray that we can have a desire that comes with it, that desires to hear your word and to pray and to walk with you, to know that no matter where we're going when we walk with you, we know we're going to get the destination that you intend for us.